T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Happy Sunday. Good morning, Joe Beamer and Brenda Alacy. The show called Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. It's uh, making way for a somewhat nice Sunday. Going to get a few thunderstorms, but beautiful weekend, beautiful day yesterday. Brenda, I know you're home, not in the studio, but I am burnt on my forehead, my neck, and on my right arm. So... We uh, are we having issues with Brenda's clean feed? Well, I certainly hope that you can't hear me. No, there you are, Brenda. Sorry, now we've got Brenda live well, from her home studio. Yes, right from the BBC, the Brenda Broadcast Center in the lovely heart of Williamsville. Great to be with you, Joe, as always, and I'm um, hoping you can hear me. Yes, Brenda, you sound good. And just so the listeners know, the last two weeks, we've uh, at the end of the show two weeks ago and at the beginning of the show last week, Brenda sounded like she was disguising her voice. Maybe one of those uh, Dateline specials or um, a scary movie. <laughs> yeah, I felt like I should be uh, offering some kind of ransom uh, offered or somebody. It was yeah, very bizarre. But, uh, you know, some of the challenges of working from home in the era of COVID-19 one of the many adjustments we've all had to make. You know, Joe, I, I talked last week, it's the last Sunday in July. Today is obviously the first Sunday in August. The time seems to be flying by, and yet it feels in some ways like time stands still. So, uh, you know, you, you tend to do that Groundhog Day where it's the same thing over and over again, and yet it's flying by. And I'm just so grateful that we can get outside and not be uh, even further confined by being in our homes because of bad weather. Today is actually uh, gorgeous. I took the dog out for a walk this morning. It's a nice little cool morning. Good day to get out and um, spread your wings a little bit. That's what's helping me stay sane is just being outside and, uh, you know, the ability to, to see people in the neighborhood wave from a distance. Uh, last night we went out for, with friends to their home. We're socially responsible about it, and it just feels like there's some degree of normalcy. Exactly. You know, that's the, like you said, that's the beauty of, hey, we've got a lot of things we can't do. Everything's shut down, but the the weather is nice. We're able to be outside and able to meet with friends when the weather is nice. Well, we have a packed show for you, so let's get into it, starting with Erie County Controller Stefan Mihailu. Stefan, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. I, I thought I was the one that had a, a voice that scares small children. <laughs> You'll have to go and back. Yours and... isn't even distorted, right, Stefan? <laughs> I hope not. Uh, I know it scares some people, Stefan, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> and you recently released a, a report about overtime hours and some concern you have about uh, 
those hours not matching what people have put in, especially with two of the county executive's political appointees, Dr. Gail Burstein, the Erie County Health Commissioner, and uh, Dan Neverth Jr. Uh, tell us a little bit about how they came about. Yeah, we just want a full accounting of every single hour that was submitted uh, to be paid by the federal government for any political appointee when they work uh, on coronavirus. And we issued a report that showed overall $3.2 million Erie County over an 18-week period uh, that they billed it to the federal government under the CARES Act for work that was supposedly done on coronavirus work. And we highlighted, as you mentioned, Dr. Gail Burstein, she received $88,000 in overtime pay and holiday pay over an 18-week period. And that's actually higher than what more than 4,105 full-time county employees make. And it's more than what yours truly and the sheriff and the clerk make. So we just want a full accounting of every single hour. We most recently issued a report to the legislature that showed, you know, a lot of the timesheets that were submitted compared to you know, the actual electronic swipes that were done, uh, they don't match on, on some of the dates and the hours. And so all we're looking for is a full accounting of every single hour because when I first became controller, we received a letter from FEMA that many years before they accused Erie County of not properly accounting for all of the October surprise storm reimbursements. And so I received a letter as controller, even though it happened years before, that Erie County had to pay back 50, five zero, $50 million to the federal government. And I just don't want that to happen to a future controller. So we need to make sure we document every single hour bill to the COVID federal fund now so that we don't get in trouble in the future. Stefan, I think a lot of people are wondering, are these the type of things that people do usually get overtime for? Because we're seeing, you know, uh, people within the county government give speeches and and, and do this work for COVID-19. But I think a lot of us assume that's just part of their job. Is overtime a regular thing uh, given to government employees? Not for political appointees, no. Uh, under normal circumstances, they would either get comp time or do what I do. You just work more than a 40-hour work week and you get paid the same amount. But under the CARES Act, the federal government is allowing for the so-called political employees, managerial confidential, to bill overtime to the federal $160 million that we received. And they can also do it because the county executive declared an emergency. Now, I think the world of our county employees, especially our union employees, they're doing phenomenal work, uh, especially the, the employees, uh, union workers in the office of the Erie County Controller. But a lot of people in the private sector are saying, wait a minute, $88,000 in overtime and holiday pay over an 18-week period for someone who's salaried already making $200,000 per year. And I think there's a, a bit of an outrage here because there's so many private sector employees and struggling families right now they've lost their jobs they can't pay their bills they can't pay their mortgage and adding insult to injury they can't even get through new york state unemployment for a few extra hundred bucks a week so i think that's where there's a disconnect between what we're allowed to do under the law and under a declaration of an emergency and what you should be doing and many people have made the argument that hey you're a salaried employee you're a political appointee you know your salary coming in, that's what you should get paid, whether you work 40 hours a week or 80 hours a week. Stefan, uh, did you have any trouble getting the timesheets from Dr. Burstein or Emergency Services Commissioner uh, Neverth? Uh, and uh, I wanted to talk to you not only about the accessibility of those timesheets, but also 
uh, about the swipe process. Uh, if you could explain to our listeners how that works. Yeah, no, none whatsoever. They voluntarily uh, gave their uh, information and their calendars to the legislature, their public documents, and we just cross-referenced what was on publicly submitted calendars compared to what swipes are. Now, what an electronic swipe system is, it's just you're basically your county ID where you, you, know, you swipe into an electronic keypad, basically a scanner, and that begins the clock of what your day is. Uh, and we just had questions for the legislature about Commissioner Neverth, who uh, lives in Orchard Park and is driving to a swipe-in location at Chestnut Ridge Park, so that basically his workday begins immediately. And then at the end of the day, we noticed that a lot of his swipes were at the Chestnut Ridge location at the end of the day as well, which means that, you know, the work clock is burning. And we're not accusing anyone of anything. Uh, we just want the legislature to have their committee hearings, which they were supposed to have uh, the week before, but they postponed them, just to give an explanation of how the hours are worked. And, and if there's no issues or problems, good. You know, then the, then the system of checks and balances works well in county government, but there's a lot more questions than answers. Well, uh, but these two folks are appointees of Poland Cars, and it's no secret that you and Poland Cars often disagree and butt heads. Uh, what do you say to people who claim that this is just a way to disparage Erie County's uh, two appointees from Poland Cars' administration? Well, if you look at the reports that we've submitted, we've submitted two public reports, one on just political appointees of every single department across county government, the Office of Sheriff, the Office of Erie County Executive, every department, every job, and then for uh, members who are covered by a union or a bargaining unit. So when you look at the reports that we submitted, we have submitted documentation for every single county employee that worked overtime that was billed to the COVID federal fund, regardless of where they work. You know, facts are stubborn things, and the data is the data. And we've submitted it publicly about every single county employee. Uh, I know the, the legislature chair has questions for the sheriff uh, in their office, too. And I think that's a good thing. You know, all departments and offices should be held accountable to show that the overtime they worked was for COVID. And so I would make the argument that we've submitted uh, time records for every single county employee, regardless of where they work. Stefan, you've also been talking about um, the state and the liquor authority shutting bars down. I just want to know uh, your thoughts on that, on the new rules on, uh, for a substantial meal when you go to a bar or something. Uh, where do you stand on that right now? It's ridiculous. I mean, the, the poor mom and pop business of the Village Line in Kenmore, they got shut down uh, by New York State because New York State was uh, falsely claiming, I believe, that this uh, place did not offer food while offering uh, beer and alcoholic beverages. I had a beer there the week before. It's a great place, mom-and-pop operation, family-owned. Now, I don't understand New York State, where it's okay for hundreds and sometimes thousands of people to riot in closed, confined spaces, not wearing masks. You won't get coronavirus that way. You can attend funerals uh, in some respect, being very close to people. That's okay. But now New York State is shutting down small bars and small business owners because uh, they're changing the goalposts all the time and what's considered food and what's not considered food or cheese and crackers food or chicken wings food. It's a joke. You know, the, the government should be in the, in the business of helping the private sector survive and thrive, not pick on and ruin mom and pop businesses because that's what they're doing right now. The rules are constantly changing from New York State. Uh, what constitutes food and what doesn't? 
So under New York State's logic, if I have a beer in a, in a restaurant, I've got cheese and crackers in front of me, I'm not going to get coronavirus. But I have a, if I have a single Guinness in front of me, then, whoa, wait a minute, I'm going to be susceptible to coronavirus. So why is it okay for people to riot and, and attack police and burn down businesses and close confined spaces, but I can't have a beer alone six feet from someone else at a bar? It's a joke. I also want your, your thoughts on the report. Now, I don't know if this is true, and maybe this has been something that was debunked, and if so, I apologize, uh, but that health officials were going to bars and not only checking to see if patrons at the time had food with their beverages, but also were going through hours of video footage. <laughs> I, I haven't heard that, but if that's the case, that's outrageous. I mean, that's another example of government going too far and punishing the private sector on rules that either don't exist or that are changing every single day. You know, the, the, the disease itself is serious. I get it. And we can still have a healthy balance of protecting the elderly and protecting those who are more susceptible to catching coronavirus. It is serious. But also, too, just opening up the economy and not punishing small businesses. I mean, it's, it's a joke at the selective enforcement of numerous health departments and the liquor authority of attacking small businesses who are just trying to make a buck, many are going under regardless because of the state of the economy now. And so I, I think it's outrageous that our friends on the extreme left have no problem with people uh, being in close confined spaces for a funeral, but I can't go to Sunday mass and, and be close to other people. Uh, Left-wing and radical progressives are allowed to riot and attack cops in close confined spaces. That's okay. No one's being punished for that. But if you if you don't have cheese or crackers or chicken wings in front of you in a bar, uh, you're fined and your business is shut down. It's a joke and it's outrageous. Stefan, uh, what is the uh, situation with uh, people who are going into the Rath building, whether it's uh, the citizens of this area or the many, many employees who work in that building? Uh, are they required to wear masks? And there was uh, uh, some footage of you not wearing a mask, uh, getting into an elevator with, of all people, Mark Polenkars. Are you wearing a mask? Now, if I'm able to uh, safely social distance, no, um, only because that's the, the recommendation from, you know, many healthcare professionals. If you're able to uh, safely social distance, you're okay. And I know when I go into other establishments, there's a bank uh, that I go to downtown Buffalo. There's a nurse sitting right there at the entrance, and they check your temperature. When I went into Old County Hall, 92 Franklin, across the street, I couldn't get in without getting uh, a screen and a health test. In the Rath Building... All, it appears to me that all you need is a mask, and it's the honor system. If you feel okay, come on in. And I don't think they're, they're doing enough uh, to protect workers, which is why I'm making the argument of our county employees are doing phenomenal work from home, um, and why bring them back into the RAF building? Whereas we even received a memo uh, a few weeks back where because of cutbacks with cleaners that employees were being asked to take their garbage uh, to the freight elevator in the hallway. And we have photographs of garbage being dumped in the hallways. And, and these so-called sanitation stations uh, are nothing more than basically a cardboard box with some cleaning products on it. And so I am able to safely social distance without a mask. And, uh, and I'm playing by the rules when it comes to what healthcare professionals are saying. Now, I, I do think it's a little outrageous, too, that you know, the, the county executive is spending his time enforcing employees to look at security footage of me where we're dealing with some serious problems in our county. And so I, I'm, I'll take the high road. I'm going to focus on my job and hold politicians accountable. And if 
he wants to waste his time looking at security footage of me in the Rath building, God bless him. Let's talk about uh, the, the impact of the sales tax uh, because of all the changes that have occurred since uh, the uh, COVID outbreak. Uh, how significant of a hit has it been for the county finances uh, with no Canadian traffic and other issues that affected uh, the amount of money coming through Erie County? Yeah, it's a significant hole in the budget. Um, obviously, as you're well aware, sales tax is our largest source of revenue. I mean, we're looking at you know at a loss of our quarter 16 percent. Uh, in the last quarter of sales tax revenues, that's a loss, a total overall loss of $32.1 million to the County of Erie, which is why I say government has to get the economy moving again. Um, our hotel occupancy tax is non-existent. There's a lot of different funds and fees uh, where we're getting practically $0. And so there's going to have to be some very serious uh, and difficult decisions made moving forward in the County of Erie to have a balanced budget. Because right now, it appears as though local governments will not be made whole uh, in the next coronavirus stimulus fund that's still uh, in the air, up in the air, and in limbo in Washington. And I wholeheartedly understand the argument that why should federal taxpayers bail out states like New York that had a $6 billion deficit before coronavirus hit? I wholeheartedly understand that argument. I would make the argument that local municipalities shouldn't be punished for the sins of New York State. So I hope our, our leaders in Washington can come to an agreement where if they want to give the money directly to local municipalities to cover uh, and offset the loss of sales tax, that would be great. Stefan, it's certainly an unusual situation occurred with uh, the election for NY27, and you were a candidate as well. Uh, what's next for you now that Chris Jacobs is in, Nate McMurray runs again against him uh, for November's election? Where do you fall into this? What's your plan? It's a great question. You know, on, on election night, I pledged my support to Chris. He ran a great race and was successful. And uh, I pledge my support to make sure that that seat stays in Republican hands. And I'm going to work hard uh, serving in the next uh, year and a half as Erie County Controller. And, and then who knows what happens? You know, maybe if you guys need a third host on Hardline, I'll, uh, I'll <laughs> be on Sundays after a year and a half. I don't know if we can afford you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, life is good. I've got an amazing family. You know, my wife, Ashley's a social worker, we, you know, three children, two, uh, two boys, two and under that's keeping me a little busy. But, you know, I'm just going to pray about it, think about it. I've got a lot of time, you know, to make a final decision if I'm going to run again or uh, find a job in the private sector. But I, I will say this, I, I thoroughly enjoy public service. I love being able to go to work every day and help people. And so whatever way the good Lord, whatever direction uh, I'm going to be pointing in, I'll uh, welcome it with open arms. Well, and Stefan, I'm sorry, go ahead. Joe, just one last question for Stefan. You know, Stefan, in the public eye, obviously you get a lot of criticism and barbs thrown your way. And, you know, people might say that you like to run for a lot of different offices. How do you respond to that charge? Well, I, I haven't. You know, I, I've run for Erie County Controller, and it was a free shot. Uh, a free race to, to run for NY27 in a primary. Uh, we did. I have zero regrets. You know, I, I look at you know, former Erie County Executive Dennis Gorski, Vietnam veteran, phenomenal man, uh, great public servant. He uh, unsuccessfully ran for Congress and then honorably served uh, as Erie County Executive. And so I'll, I'll never uh, look away from an opportunity where I can serve the public. And, you know, it was an opportunity to engage in public service in, in Congress. It didn't work out. So I'm going to 
work twice as hard as I always have uh, as Erie County Controller and the Taxpayer Watchdog. Well, Stefan, I, I have to ask the obvious question. Would a county executive ever be an option? <laughs> it's, uh, it's always an option for you know, people who care about cutting taxes, reducing government spending, fixing our roads, and fixing our parks. Um, I'm always looking for potential opportunities to serve. Uh, and if that race opened up at whatever time and it was a good fit for me, but more especially my family, uh, I would give it serious consideration. You know, but right now, you know, it's it's so early in that process. I mean, that's three and a half years away. Uh, I've got a year and a half left on my term as Erie County Controller, and I'm just going to pray about it, reflect on it, talk to my family about it. And uh, family always comes first in every decision I make about my personal and professional life that you know, no matter what path I choose in public service, you know, the most important job I have is being a good husband and dad. So that, that will always be my guiding principle. And, uh, you know, I, I will say this, too. I mean, our founding fathers wanted citizen legislators for individuals to serve uh, in a part-time capacity and not as a, you know, for life. And I'm going to take that into consideration, too, you know, when I take the next few months to decide what the next step is. Stefan, always great talking to you. And I have to say, like I always do when you're on the show, the first time I met Stefan, he was interviewing my father on Channel 7. <laughs> wow, you've got a great memory. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Stefan, we had that. We still have it on VHS somewhere. The problem is we don't have a VCR. Uh, we still have that interview. It aired at the 5, 6, and 11 o'clock news, and my parents recorded it every time. <laughs> what was the interview about? Film. Are you sure it wasn't film? Yeah, <laughs> it's on film. <laughs> I mean, my television station, I was, we actually used typewriters. My first TV station in Syracuse in 1993, typewriters. So, yeah, that's, that's dating me quite a little bit. Thank you. <laughs> well, Joe, Joe, what was the interview about? Uh, there was a debate over if, uh, I think it was D David Franzak at the time, if he lived in Amherst or not. And Channel 7 did an investigation to find out, uh, no, my parents had just bought that house. I think it was in his family, but my parents had just bought that house. Wow. And my dad was returning a rental car to the airport because my mom had hit a deer a week before my cousin's wedding. And uh, Stefan was right there to interview my dad in the car. <laughs> yeah, someone made a false claim about a politician living in the suburbs. So I just grabbed my camera and said, fine, let's go to the address. And sure enough, your pops is looking at me like, what on earth is this guy doing in my driveway? <laughs> and, and for five years, I had to hear him talk about they had, you know, how uh, he was upset they picked before because he decided to return the car before he had showered. And I had to hear that for five years. They got <laughs> they got a bad shot of the house because they hadn't done any work on it yet. And my dad hadn't showered. That's what we had to hear for five years when the story was told. Oh, uh. <laughs> I claim for fame. Put that in my obituary. I'll be proud. Well, Stefan, it's always great talking to you. You have a great Sunday. I'm sure we'll talk soon. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Erie County okay. Comptroller Stefan Mahailu joining us. And you know what? Stefan brought up the stimulus in Washington. Well, I'm sure that's going to come up maybe in the next two interviews right here on Hardline with Joe Beamer and Brenda Alacy. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back. It is Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Joe Beamer and Brenda Alacy with you. Talking politics, that is the point of the show, and live from Washington, D.C., it is Dave Leventhal. Dave, good morning. Happy Sunday. Good morning, Joe. Uh, happy Sunday to you. And, yeah, there, there's a few politics going on here. Well, I was going to say, you know, uh, with, with the lack of politics going on, I thought we would talk about college football for the next half hour. Or, or even the Sabres, you know I mean? <laughs> The first time in a long time that the Sabres and everyone else in the NHL is not playing in front of fans during the playoffs. Well, now here's a funny thing. Do you realize that we will have already elected, uh, already gone through the election process before the Sabres play again? <laughs> yeah. You make a, a very true and, and terrible point, Joe. <laughs> now, speaking of the election, I, I thought we would start with uh, with the presidential election because that's in and out of the news. I mean, obviously, COVID stimulus, all that stuff we'll get to. Uh, but news that seemed to break late last night is that there will be no media at the Republican re-election uh, process. Yeah, news broke of that, and a couple things to know. Uh, first of all, I, I would suspect that that could change, and maybe change a couple of times between now and the actual convention. This is still a very fluid process. The Republicans and the Democrats, for that matter, don't have a set agenda. They, they don't have a set schedule. This is about as different as any convention we've ever had, national convention, uh, in our lifetimes. So uh, if the Republicans change that in a week or two weeks, don't be surprised by that. And the notion that uh, there would be no media coverage of a national political convention, e- even in the midst of a pandemic, seems to be um, pretty outside the bounds of, of reality, although lots of things seem outside the bounds of reality over the past few months. So, uh, yeah, that, that's what's being said right now. But let's check back on that in a week and two and see if that still holds true. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, it's still in Charlotte, correct? Yes. Uh, so Jacksonville is, well, first, let's, let's step back for, for 10 seconds here. It was going to be in Charlotte, then it was in Jacksonville, and now everything in Jacksonville, for the most part, has fallen apart, and there is going to be basically a, a skeletal convention that's going to be held in North Carolina, where there were contracts signed and, and agreements made. So really, uh, the action, if, if you can call it that, is going to be happening back in North Carolina. So, uh, but it's going to look completely unlike any convention again that, that we've seen in, in modern history. There are not going to be people in funny hats. There are going to be no conventioneers on the floor. There, there's not going to be the pomp and circumstance and all the events outside of the convention that we've come to know. And I was in Cleveland for the Republican convention four years ago. And I mean, it is a raucous week long party. It is crazy and wild and fun for all the people who are there, and none of that is going to be happening this time around for the Republicans or for the Democrats, for that matter. 
Dave, it's always great to have you on with us. Thank you for joining us. And uh, speaking of this issue, you uh, tweeted out a quote from Donald Trump from May of 2019, where he said, I was the most transparent and am transparent president in history. Uh, and in response to the GOP convention uh, being closed to the press. Uh, and this is a, a president who really enjoys being in the media. H how do you think uh, he can kind of reconcile those two statements? Well, Donald Trump in many ways has been incredibly transparent. I mean, he tweets what's on his mind uh, constantly, sometimes dozens of times per day. He, uh, even if he, he doesn't uh, have press conferences and whatnot uh, throughout his presidency in the way that other presidents have, he is constantly talking to the press. He, he, he loves beating up the press, but at the same time, too, loves meeting with the press. Uh, there are numerous interviews that he's done lately. So in a way, the notion that Donald Trump's uh, coronation for a second term is the nominee of the Republican Party Aspects of that not being televised seems to kind of go against everything that, that Donald Trump loves and revels in. Uh, now, there may be aspects of it, certainly, that are uh, that the press is not going to be privy to or that there's not television coverage of. But, again, that, too, seems to fly in the face of what Donald Trump would want for a big event. Uh, it's going to, though, be a big event in, in name, but not necessarily in reality, again, since this is going to be a convention that is scaled down uh, almost to the point where you couldn't call it a convention. You know, nobody has used social media like this president, no other president in memory. And uh, just recently, he talked about banning TikTok. Um, it's the short form video app for folks who may not be familiar with TikTok. Uh, the parent company, ByteDance, is based in China. And, and Trump said on board Air Force One that we're banning, that he is banning TikTok in the U.S. Do you think that will happen, uh, Dave? And do you think the result might be that younger people will come out and vote because of that? Well, first of all, the president just simply can't snap his fingers and have a corporation go away, whether it's a foreign corporation or a foreign-owned corporation or not. Uh, there's a U.S. subsidiary for that company. Uh, he's obviously not very happy with some of the things that are going on on TikTok. One of the most notable TikTok users is a woman by the name of Sarah Cooper. She's a comedian, and she's the one who's been responsible for the many, many uh, lip sync videos of, of her basically, um, you know, mimicking uh, Donald Trump giving speeches or, or giving talks uh, or, or White House press conferences or whatever the case may be. So whether that's a motivating factor in him wanting to ban TikTok or not, uh, only the president really knows. But uh, just going back again to just a free market economy, it, you just whether you're the president or not, you just can't uh, wish a corporation away or ban uh, a corporation of that sort, even if the government uh, in the Trump administration could make it difficult or, or could uh, pass rules or regulations that, that would make tax operations in the United States uh, more difficult than, than it could be. But that would be a process that's not, that, that would take time. And you're not going to see TikTok just simply go away tomorrow. That's not happening. I will say this. As someone whose politics more lean to the right, I enjoy TikTok. It's uh, Until they started putting politics into some of the TikToks, it's actually a nice uh, getaway for a few minutes. But that's that's my TikTok opinion. Right, Joe. I mean, TikTok is largely most of the content on it is, uh, is apolitical. Like anything, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or any media platform, any social media platform, of course politics are going to get into it. Yeah. It's also for people a little younger than me, but so is my maturity, so. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, I'm glad you said that. Yep. Hey, Dave, but do you think that uh, that the president would uh, 
propose to do this if it was based in Europe rather than China? Unclear. And what, what we know for sure is that Donald Trump loves to hammer China, although there have been some times where he's been very, uh, very positive and has been very complimentary of things that China has done, but not so lately, especially since uh, the, the dawn and advent of uh, the coronavirus. So China is again on, on Donald Trump's uh, beat up list uh, and attack list and anything that's associated with China, whether it be viral or a media platform that uh, that spreads virality of a different sort, uh, then that's uh, just going to be something that's going to be in Donald Trump's crosshairs. You, you can almost guarantee it. All right. Now, Dave, obviously, I want to get to the stimulus talk because that's taken over Washington. But we talked uh, TikTok. And when we're talking the president, we're going to talk Twitter, obviously. Um, he tweeted earlier this week about delaying the election or suggesting of delaying the election. Now, again, I think it was just one of those tweets where he wanted to get people's reaction. Um, you know, I suggested Virginia Tech uh, doesn't start Ryan Willis, and then they did. Uh, but how did you see that? And how did that play out? in Washington uh, amongst the media, Democrats, and some Republicans? Well, I tweeted recently that uh, the Bills are going to win the Super Bowl in 2021. Does that make it real? <laughs> no, of course not, although we can all hope. But uh, Donald Trump tweeting that the election could possibly be delayed. Uh, sure, he can tweet that. He can say that. Anyone can say that or tweet that. But is that going to make it real? No, uh, in, in part uh, or large part or even full part because of one thing, and that's the U.S. Constitution. Congress is the only one that has the power to delay an election. The president could talk about it. He could ask Congress to do it. He could put pressure on lawmakers or people in his party. But again, that's not going to make it real. So I think this is something that, of course, uh, is going to grab a lot of headlines because it's the president of the United States who's tweeting about it. But it, he's not going to be able to somehow uh, single-handedly, unilaterally will it into reality unless we decide that uh, we're just going to toss the Constitution out the window. Now, Dave, you know, this week has seemed, just like with everything in Washington, a, a roller coaster, which makes me miss roller coasters since most amusement parks are closed this summer. Uh, but you had what looked to be uh, Congress, Democrats and Republicans, close on a stimulus bill. Uh, then they said that talks have soured and they were far away. Uh, and then we hear today that they might be near something. Where does that stand and where is the divide? What is holding the two parties apart? Well, yeah, a roller coaster is about the, the best metaphor. It reminds me of the, the old comet, up and down and up and down. And sometimes you go forwards and sometimes you go backwards. But th this is exactly what's happening in Congress right now. You, you have two things happening. Number one, you have, of course, the expected fight between Democrats and Republicans. And that's always going to happen in this political climate. And it's always going to be a negotiation. They're almost always on big ticket items going to wait to the last minute. So if anyone is surprised by that element of it, they, you just simply haven't been paying attention since the Trump administration took over, or for that matter, going back to President Obama and when uh, the same fights were happening with uh, a Democrat in, in the White House and, and, and Republicans in Congress. But there's also another dynamic here, and that is Republicans versus Republicans. There are some Republicans in Congress uh, who are not on exactly the same page as the president. There were certain things from the White House uh, that uh, President Trump and the White House wanted that the U.S. Senate, uh, which is controlled by Republicans, didn't. Uh, one thing was basically a, a paycheck uh, tax cut, a payroll tax cut, and, and, and other things, too, that uh, without going into you know all the painful details, uh, had 
those sides apart too. So it, the, the bottom line is there's going to be some serious pain that's going to come because of this delay. Uh, prominent on that is going to be the $600 weekly benefit that has been coming to people, about 30 million Americans, Joan Brenda, who are, are getting this kind of money, who are not going to get it at least for a while. And it, it's not, an, it not un, or rather, it's unsure and not clear as to how much money they're going to get going forward, whether it's going to be $600 or a proposed $200 or maybe even something more. That's still not hammered out yet. So are they close? Yeah, they're closer than they were maybe two weeks ago. But do we know if this is going to happen Monday, Tuesday, this week, next week? No, we don't right now, and uh, I don't think Congress does either. Uh, switching gears for a moment, Dave, and I must say I love your comment about the, the comet. Um, I have to tell you my all-time record was I rode that thing eight times in a row. I think my stomach is still uh, roiled up from it, <laughs> but uh, love the Crystal Beach reference. No. Um, question for you about uh, a lot of speculation about who Joe Biden will pick as his running mate. And I'm hearing the name Karen Bass quite a bit. Do you think she's the front runner, the congresswoman from California? I think you can put probably a half a dozen different people in front runner category. This is always just a matter of, of pure rank speculation from anyone who's outside of that immediate vice presidential selection bubble. I, I can think back to, say, when George W. Bush was naming his vice president or considering naming his vice president, and all these different names were, were floated about, and this person and that person were the front runner. And who did he pick? Well, he picked Dick Cheney, who, who was running the, the actual vice president search himself. So there's a, definitely a, a, a way that presidents have or presidential candidates to uh, throw a major, major curveball in the end and go with somebody who really works for them. Sarah Palin, I think, is another great example with uh, with uh, John McCain and even Joe Biden when Barack Obama picked him. Uh, not everyone was had Joe Biden on top of this list. But yeah, there, there are several people. Karen Bass, definitely Kamala Harris, Tammy Duckworth, a U.S. senator, Val Demings, a U.S. House representative. Uh, these, these are four of, of probably six, seven, eight uh, people who you could put in that front runner list. But the only thing we really know is that Joe Biden has said uh, absolutely positively that he is going to put, uh, going to pick a woman and put a woman on the ticket for for the Joe Biden and fill in the blank ticket. So it's not going to be a man. So that takes about 50 percent of the uh, political population off the table. But after that, uh, you know, could Elizabeth Warren get the nod? Uh, somebody else? Possibly. But I wouldn't be shocked if it uh, is a woman of color in some position. And you can add Susan Rice uh, to that list, somebody who is a uh, top official in the uh, Obama administration, uh, who Joe Biden is very close with. Uh, she could be in the mix as well. Uh, Dave, I wanted to ask you about Val Deming in particular. Uh, there's some talk that perhaps her time as the Orlando police chief uh, would work against her in this political climate. Do you think that knocks her out of the box? doesn't knock her out of the box at all, uh, but uh, it's definitely something that it could could really get people, especially on the far left, fired up, uh, people who are making calls for defunding the police and uh, who are, are very much uh, dubious uh, about law enforcement uh, in the country. Same could be said, too, for uh, Kamala Harris, senator from California, in the sense that uh, she was California's attorney general, uh, you know. Uh, Kamala is a cop. Uh, it was a term that was thrown around a ton during the primary by people who were detractors of hers. So anyone who might have law enforcement ties in this climate when uh, there has been such civil unrest and, and, and such debate over the role of law enforcement and policing in this country, yeah, that, that could be uh, something that is going to give Joe Biden uh, and his team 
a little bit of pause, but ultimately they're going to be looking for the person who they feel is number one, best for the ticket, number two, best for the country, and number three, who, if Joe Biden no longer could be president of the United States in the midst of his term, were he to be elected, could be the president of the United States. And that is not an insignificant consideration in all of this, of course. Oh, no doubt about it. I did want to ask you, too, about the president's comments this week about uh, perhaps uh, delaying the election. Uh, that had to have you folks in Washington scurrying around a bit. Uh, what was the reaction in D.C. to that comment? Well, everyone, of course, was uh, just you know, kind of caught their breath for a second. And, and then all you had, to, if you were a scholar of the Constitution, just had to remember that <laughs> doesn't have that power. But the president, whether you love the president, whether you loathe the president, I mean, the president says uh, a number of things that uh, he will have a very strong opinion about. And then he'll move away from, uh, you know, think back to the spring in, in April when he said that absolutely positively that everything was going to be opening back up regardless of the coronavirus. Well, you know, that didn't happen. Uh, it's not necessarily in his power to make all of those decisions. There are 50 different state governments. There are more than 3,000 county governments all across the country, say nothing of the municipal governments that have a great deal of power to, to do in their localities and their jurisdictions what they see fit for the people within those jur jurisdictions. You can think about the convention, which we talked about a little earlier. He wanted a convention that was going to be filled to the brim uh, when he was accepting the nomination for, uh, for a second term. Now, that's not going to happen, too. The president also, too, has been calling for weeks about schools across the country reopening, and he's not talking about that uh, so much anymore now that it's very clear that there are going to be school districts all across the country that are either partially going to reopen or not going to reopen at all and, uh, and go to pure virtual learning for much of the fall, if not uh, all of the first semester. So these are just a few things where, you know, again, the president will have a strong opinion, but he doesn't necessarily have the ability or he moves on to something else uh, before uh, it, it actually, you know, comes to fruition for what he was talking about in the first place. Hey, uh, Dave, any news on our new congressman who's now also running again five months after he was uh elected. Any news on Chris Jacobs, his first few weeks in Congress? Not a whole lot. I, I haven't heard of him, to be perfectly honest. Uh, I, I think uh, it, it's always for anyone who is in that situation when they have been put into power and been elected in a special election and they're going to have to run for re-election yet again almost immediately after. It, it, you're there, but you, you don't even have a chance much to go through the normal process that you would as a freshman representative. There's typically orientation, and uh, there, there's uh, some pomp and circumstance around that. Well, it's sort of like, all right, you know, <laughs> off you go to Washington, figure it out when you get there. And also, too, he's in campaign mode, too. So in a very real way, you know, he's going to be doing what uh, everyone else is doing, which is running for re-election for those representatives uh, who are running for re-election. And, uh, yeah, just haven't heard a, a ton about it. Uh, that being said, usually I'm, I'm having lots of opportunities to go and meet with other Buffalonians and Western New Yorkers around these times. Uh, we're, we're, we're not going out nearly as much as we did before. But, uh, yeah, definitely keeping an eye on the role he's going to play. And I would encourage everyone to keep an eye on, on the votes he's taking because, here we are at a time when usually in in August before an election, Congress is home. They're you know everyone's off uh, taking their vacations, and Washington is emptied out. And, and the exact opposite is happening this time around. It's it's so much business to be done, legislation to be passed, and 
yeah, legislating time is usually not three months before uh, an election day in a presidential election year. So everything is topsy-turvy and inside out. Uh, but in, on Capitol Hill, too, it, it's about as topsy-turvy and inside out as you could possibly imagine relative to what is normal for this time of year every four years. Dave, before we go, I noticed that you retweeted um, a lovely tribute to Wilfred Brimley, certainly one of my favorite character actors. And I was wondering, were you in Buffalo uh, when he was here filming The Natural with Robert Redford and that other all-star cast? I, I was. I was, uh, I, I was relatively young at that time, uh, but uh, I, I have become, uh, you know, over the years, just uh, obsessed with the Buffalo aspects. And every time I uh, re- drive down Main Street by a certain candy shop, for example, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the place where they do that scene. And, yeah. So, you know, the lore of the natural, um, you know, in Buffalo, I, I think, looms large for a lot of us, particularly sports fans. So, yeah, it was very sad to, to hear of uh, his death. But uh, it, it's funny, the Twitter account I retweeted, uh, it, it's uh, called the Wilford Brimley line. And basically, it tweets out a birthday greeting to anyone or a, a greeting to anyone who's past the age that Wilford Brimley was when he filmed Cocoon, uh, which he was only 51 years old, if you can imagine that. So, oh. very full long oh. And I, I think all of us will be remembering, uh, you know, Quaker Oats commercials and diabetes commercials for a long, long time. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, I'm a huge movie buff and a huge sports fan, and I would go down and watch them filming The Natural because it was so exciting to have a cast like that. And Wilfred Brimley and I made eye contact, and he winked at me, and it was like, wow, this is <laughs> this is pretty impressive. I'll never forget that. So sorry to hear of his passing as well. I, I remember Wilfred Brimley as the postmaster general in Seinfeld. If there's any Seinfeld oh, fans yes, out there. Yes, Absolutely right. Yep. Yeah, good stuff. Well, Dave Leventhal, always a pleasure. Uh, businessinsider.com, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thank you all. Dave, we will talk on Tuesday. He'll be joining Susan Rose and Brian Mazarowski. And Dave and I always have a Buffalo type conversation. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com.